right, good day, everybody. This is E. Marcel Pertuzzi. Welcome to another edition of Grid Iron Blitz. We're going to preview this upcoming week of the NFL season already in week three. Uh, so we're cutting close to the quarter point of the regular season. So we're going to break down all of the contests that have taken place. So we'll also talk about last night's Giants game against the 49ers. We'll also delve into Georgia State football, staying undefeated in the season with a victory at Coastal Carolina. Also the conference opener for both teams, uh, but for the Panthers. Actually, the Panthers, it was their conference opener. Uh, so they're undefeated on the season overall. So we'll get into that as well. But as always, to follow everything that we do, head to the mothership, the sportsacquire.net, premier site for news and notes in the world of sports. You'll see all of our content on there and uh, just a great way to keep track of everything that we have going on. You can also go to our social media platforms on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, yeah, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, as far as social media, uh, just look up the Sports Inquirer. You'll be able to find us and keep track of everything we have going on. If you follow us every time we do a show or post an interview or have any content up, uh, you'll be able to check it out there. Uh, as far as our platforms to hear or watch us, you can go to YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, Spotify for podcasters, iTunes, uh, I think I said Google Podcasts, yeah, that, all of those. Uh, wherever you get your, your content, just head there and look us up, and we weren't happy to provide you assistance as the, or not provide you assistance, uh, I think of my other job, that's what I do all the time, provide assistance to people, uh, but crossover. I don't know, but if you want to go there and see all the stuff we have up there, uh, make sure you go ahead and check that out. So usually when we do the gridiron blitz, we delve strictly into NFL action, but we had a treat last night. Everybody, we're recording this on Friday, September 22nd, 2023. We had Thursday night football with the local squad here in Metro Atlanta, and those are Georgia State Panthers. And the Panthers improved a 4-0 overall this season and won their Sunbelt opener with a 30-17 victory at Coastal Carolina in Brooks Stadium. A big homecoming for Georgia State quarterback Darren Granger, native of Conway, South Carolina, same city that Coastal Carolina is in. He passed for 191 yards, uh, had a big touchdown pass uh, to Robert Lewis, uh, who, uh, who has five touchdown catches so far this season. The receivers had a breakout year for the Panthers. really goes back to last year, though. Uh, he's had touchdown catches in 11 of his last 12 contests. Well, 12 of his last 13, I'm shortchanging Robert. So it's been a big run for him recently, you know, overall. Uh, but I said the Panthers uh, just dominated from the really beginning of the contest. Uh, you saw Granger use his legs as well uh, to just continue this push really to be the best conference player of the year. He's really making a push for that so far uh, this year. And once the Panthers got a lead, you start to see uh, Marcus Carroll start asserting himself. He had 150 rushing yards in the victory uh, for Georgia State. So as I mentioned, Georgia State is now 4-0 on the season. First time in program history, they have started the season 4-0. They never started season 3-0 in program history, so now they're at 4-0. Uh, so they are on a very nice track and really put themselves in contention for conference championship. There's a lot more games to go, of course, but beating Coastal on the road is a pretty significant step uh, in that process. Now, they have their next contest September 30th at home against defending conference champion Troy. Um, it's at Georgia State. That should be a really good contest, and we'll delve more into that 
uh, as we will do a recap the week of past week of college football uh, on our next show or two. But wanted to mention Georgia State's victory uh, over the uh, the Chanticleers, and that's a very big victory for them overall. All right, let's get to the NFL, which is the heart of the uh, Gridiron Blitz. Had a really good, good week last week. Went ten five and one, and I post all of my. I want to keep track of everything. I post all of my picks online. They're going to be at the bottom within the same uh, page as you're viewing this in all of the platforms. So you'll see all of my picks against the spread, home teams and caps. And I don't, I put a post them on there. I want you to listen to the show as well. But I want accountability for when I start having a really bad run, which will probably be this week. Uh, you'll be able to see it, mock me, analyze me if you want to pick against me. And you probably make a lot of money if you pick against me most of the year. Uh, so just a little, you can do opposite picks. Uh, sorry, Scott. Scott wants some stealing his gimmick uh, there. <laughs> but if you wanted to go that route, uh, you could go with that option. Uh, but it's fun. I don't bet any money in real life because, one, it's finances aren't – I'm doing okay. I'm not in the poorhouse. But gambling in sports is uh, very, very tricky especially when you get to the, it's really bad at college level because I'm not going to put my life savings in the hands of 18 to 23 year olds. Uh, but when you get to the NFL level, it's so unpredictable. I mean, there's some, it's not necessarily who wins or loses the games that gets you. And we, you'll see some of the picks that I picked even last week. I, I picked the correct winner. They just didn't win by enough points and that's where they get you. Or you pick the team to, that's really the biggest one. Uh, when you pick a team to win by three points, but they only win by two, you lost that bet. You picked the right team to win, uh, but you didn't do it. They didn't do it by enough points. So that's where you get a lot of bad stuff. There. You can do some backdoor covers too, which is kind of the opposite end, where you thought the team would, you picked them to lose by less than ten, and they're down or up eleven or up by twelve, and the other team scores a touchdown, makes the deficit less than ten at the very end of the contest. You can get some backdoor coverage, too. But it seems like on my end of things, I picked the team that wins pretty darn well. Uh, but when it comes to the team that, by how much they win, it's a struggle. Uh, but I did well last night. I picked San Francisco uh, to defeat the Giants, and they were able to achieve that by the, the winning margin needed. I just thought the Giants going to that contest, very tough. Two consecutive weeks on the road. Remember last week they had that big comeback at Arizona down 20 to nothing. And had to come back and win that game on a short week, go from Arizona to San Francisco or San Jose or Santa Clara. They don't know what's going on at that stadium, uh, Levi Stadium. It's not in San Francisco. And it was funny, Al Michaels seemed to be making that point quite a bit. I know Al Michaels is an L.A. guy. So inside baseball here, Al Michaels, the legendary commentator uh, for the Amazon Prime Games. He's commentated at every sport, at every level. He's one of the best ever to do it. Uh, but uh, un, unofficial secrets, or not an official. He's very. He's from Los Angeles, and that's where his base is. And he's very close to Stan Kroenke, the owner of the Rams. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, you know, he still said yes. You can, but you can tell when he, he when he calls a game, especially at SoFi Stadium where the Rams play, or the, or the Chargers also. He gushes about the stadium and the amenities and Los Angeles and how beautiful it is and. Everything like that, and it is. I'm sure you know it's very nice. Uh, but obviously, they're a big rival as far as the 
Southern California side of things is the Northern California teams. And the big one now is San Francisco now with the 49ers, Rams 49ers, big rivals for decades and decades. So it was funny that he was in San Francisco, sort of an enemy territory, and throwing little jabs at the and if you didn't, if you weren't, if you don't know about it like I do and follow it, you wouldn't have caught it. Uh, but talking about how the stadium is 40 miles from downtown San Francisco and it's in Santa Clara or San Jose. And every time they would do a shot of the the Bay Bridge or the, I think, a Lombard Street or Lombardi Street, I must admit, the, the streets, the Sessions are known to be very curvy in the hills and all of that stuff. It's like, well, that's 40 miles away from where we're at, like that type of stuff. So I think he's trying to make a message that it's uh, not necessarily San Francisco where the 49ers play. I know that was like a minute or two of unnecessary banter, but for the five of you that really get it, like I do, you enjoyed those little jabs at San Francisco and how far the stadium is from actually the city of San Francisco. Uh, but point being, Giants had to travel there, not like they're traveling by Greyhound in the middle of the night to get to the game, but still a short week on the road, two consecutive weeks, no Saquon Barkley, I thought that'd be a very tough ask for the Giants to win that contest. And it was. Uh, 49ers ended up getting a double-digit victory late in the contest against some late scores. Uh, Brock Purdy didn't look the sharpest, uh, but did not but consistent, didn't turn the ball over. I mean, there were a few bad throws in there. Uh, but you saw Christian McCaffrey, my preseason offensive player of the year. He had 100 total yards once again. Saw Debo Samuel get involved in the offense with some passes and some runs and everything like that. So I think you think see San Francisco is offensively finding its way defensively stout, very stout. And granted, the Giants are not the best litmus test for your defense. I think Daniel Jones has been underwhelming so far this year. I know he had a nice second half against the Cardinals last week, uh, but still just not, not as consistent as we saw towards the second half of last year and that playoff game against the Vikings that he won. Uh, Darren Waller still trying to acclimate himself into the offense was a no-show. I'll say no-show, that's harsh. Uh, just was not active in the first half. Really not really, not really active the entire game. And they're going to have to figure that out because with, especially, with, especially with Barkley out, he's their best offensive weapon. To be fair, Waller did have a drop pass uh, that would give the Giants a nice gain in the first half, so it's not all on Daniel Jones. Uh, not getting the ball to Waller, but that offense is going to have to figure it out and uh, get it together quick uh, because they are now one and two on the year, and uh, that's not a good sign. If they and some people do have the Giants as a playoff caliber team, I did not. Uh, but if they want to reach that goal or get to that caliber offensively, they're going to have to improve. And having injuries like the to Thomas, that you know, the tackle and and the offensive line was already poor. Uh, missing they're probably their best player or offensive lineman at least and Thomas does not help the cause so uh, we'll see what the Giants do with that San Francisco says it's trending in the right direction undefeated so far this year uh, and uh, I think they're gonna have a they're gonna have a nice run this year overall all right let's get to the rest of the contest of this upcoming week three uh the choice of three-point favorite at home over Atlanta you know this is another this is a toss-up game I like what I've seen from Atlanta uh, big wins so far at home over Carolina and Green Bay. What I like about them, 
Defensively, they've been solid. Not great, but good enough. Uh, offensively, uh, B. John Robinson's been a revelation. Now, I say a revelation. He was a top 10 overall pick in this past draft. And I picked him as my offensive preseason offensive rookie of the year. Uh, but even myself, I mean, he has had some tremendous runs. You just see his physicality, being able to run through contact. Uh, he's been very big. And I think just them running the ball has been very, very good. It's opened up some things. London, uh, Drake London's been very nice uh, pass receiver for Desmond Ritter. You want to see Kyle Pitts get a little bit more involved in the offense. I think that'll come eventually. But, I mean, when you have that rushing attack of Jean Robinson and Algier for the, the Falcons, you, Ritter's not really going to throw the ball more. I mean, if he completes about 15 to 20 passes and you get that running from Robinson and Algier, you're not going to win every game, but you can put yourself in a playoff position. And so far, 2-0 is very good. Now, Detroit was my NFC North preseason winner, and that was a bad loss to Seattle. I think 37-31. to 31. That's unacceptable. You had that big win opening night over the Chiefs. A lot of confidence, a lot of talk about. And I, I did warn about that, though, in my picks last week. I did pick the Lions to win the contest, but I said they've been patted on the back a lot for the past 10 days before that contest, told how great they are, and a you know, big win against the defending Super Bowl champions. And now that I could come home to a Seattle team that is, no, it's a, I mean, it's a solid team, but nothing of the ilk of going to Kansas City and winning. And the letdown factor was real. Uh, but I, I think they, I think the Lions have the better team overall than the Falcons. And I think they have a better quarterback. I think Jared Goff is better than Ritter, Ritter at least at this stage of his career. So I'm going to take Detroit minus the three over Atlanta. But that three points is scary. That's because I can see a definite push. We had a push last week uh, in our our picks. Push, by the way, is if Detroit does win by three points, that's not a win or a loss. It's like a tie. Uh, no money is exchanged there. Uh, but, yeah, so I think that's going to be – I think Detroit to win the contest, I'm going to say by four. But Atlanta, if they won in Detroit, it would not surprise me or shock me as much as some of these other games that we're going to get to. Uh, but I think that's where – uh, Detroit's going to find itself back in a position of that's a winnable division. It's not a it's a division that doesn't inspire much. Uh, when you look at the Bears and their issues uh, at quarterback with Justin Fields, Green Bay, Jordan Love has looked okay so far this year, but still, you know, he's going to have his ups and downs. Minnesota's a mess right now. So Detroit, if they want to really put themselves, I know it's only week three, but they don't put themselves in a prime position to take control of the Central Division, or the North Division, excuse me, uh, that will be very important for them to get a win over the Falcons, which I think they will. Cleveland is a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home over Tennessee. you got to figure Deshaun Watson gets it together at some point. I know he only played a handful of games last year, but he has not looked really good to start this year. And I, like a lot of us, we were saying, hey, last year, he didn't really play two full seasons because of suspensions and all and his contract or situation impasse with the Texans. We know about all of the off the field issues with Deshaun Watson. You can Google or look that up on your own time. But the point was is that this offseason uh, got a full season, full offseason training with the players, more acclimation into the Cleveland system, same head coach, same offensive scheme. 
that we were going to see the Deshaun Watson that played at a top five level while he was with the Houston Texans only a few years ago. And that has not happened uh, so far this year for uh, for Watson and the Browns. You saw multiple turnovers uh, against the Steelers last Monday night. And now Nick Chubb, and man, that was hard to see. Uh, a guy being based in Metro Atlanta, very familiar with Chubb, following Nick Chubb since he was at Cedarton back in high school. Uh, so see and then he went to Georgia, and University of Georgia has some good times there. And I remember that injury against Tennessee. I was not there. I seems like I'm everywhere. Some people say, I see you're at every game. No, I was not at that game. But I remember watching it on TV. He was at, it was at Tennessee, and it was towards the sideline, and camera got a good angle of it, and you could see that he buckled his knee, and it was out for the season, and uh, and just kind of eerie uh, that he injures the same knee, you know, in kind of in that manner. And I saw the replay, not good, and multiple. I'm not a doctor, not, you have no words come out, but it looks like he's already had surgery on the knee, and he, I think, multiple ligament tears. Uh, but the point is, he's out the rest of the year, and he might be out an extended amount of time, even even into next year. Saying all that, he was their best offensive weapon. And now that he's out for the year, what do the Lions do? I mean, what do the, the Browns do on the offensive end? Because that was going to be their, their plan. Run Nick Chubb about 50% of the time. So play action, try to get the ball out to Samari so Cooper, you know, and some other guys there. Uh, as far as the, the receivers and, and the uh, tight ends, balanced offense, you're not going to have that now with Chubb being out. And now it, it really is on Watson's shoulders to control the offense and to take it over. And it's on there was it's the responsibility of now Mario Cooper's gonna have to produce more. So it's gonna be a lot for the for the Browns to deal with. A good remedy though is to have the Tennessee Titans come into town. Yes, I know that was a nice victory wild contest over the Chargers last week. Uh, Tannehill played played okay, but I I just the Titans on the road. I don't know what to expect. This game is is once again a toss-up, uh, but I think I'm going to take the Browns minus the three-and-a-half points over Tennessee. The only thing you worry about with Tennessee in this contest is Derrick Henry really hasn't had his breakout game yet. And while he's not the same, probably running back he was a few years ago, that's still in him. Uh, so if he comes back and has that breakout 150-yard type game, if Brown, now Brown's defense is solid. Uh, but if, if it happens, that's going to be very tough for the Browns to win the contest. But I don't think it happens this week. So I'm taking the Browns minus three and a half. Green Bay is one and a half point favorite at home over New Orleans. I like what I've seen from Jordan Love. Uh, you know, solid. Doesn't turn the ball over too much. Uh, you know, he's not as dynamic as Aaron Rodgers yet, but that's hard to ask for Love at this stage of his career. Uh, but I think they have some good weapons on that team. When you have uh, running backs, with the with Dylan, uh, you know, and, and some of the other guys there, I think you have a really good setup uh, for the the Packers offense. The Saints still without Alvin Kamara, but finding ways to win these uh, close contests. They won at home against Tennessee to open the year. Won at Car at Carolina in the other Monday Night Football game from last week against the the Panthers. Uh, so 2-0 and defensively, they are there as far as top 10 defensively, I think, in the league. So that defense can keep him in a lot of contests. Carr, haven't seen him have to do too much so far 
uh, for the Saints at quarterback. And you know what's funny? I saw the stats where the when he was with the Raiders, I think when you when the team scored less than twenty points as a Raider, he only won had his team only won one time. Just shows how bad the Raiders defense had been over the years when he was there. And I think already this year, I know the first contest, they scored less than 20 points and they won. And defensively, they were able to limit Carolina as well. So this is the best defense he's ever played for or played with on his team. And that's a good sign for him. And I think the Saints are going to find their way. NFC South might not be as bad as we think it is. I mean, the, the Panthers are bad. Rebuilding, Bryce Young, he's already dealing with an injury. He's going to be out this next contest. Uh, most likely that we're going to get to in a moment. But the Falcons are 2-0, and and we talked about them. Uh, Tampa, Tampa's a solid team right now. They've had some wins. Baker Mayfield looking okay, looking like competent, you know, at the QB position. So the, the Bucks are, are decent. And then the Saints are pretty solid too. And when they start playing each other in the round-robin style, when they get to division play, that's going to be really fun to see. Uh, but I think in this contest, I'll take Green Bay at home, just a minus one and a half over New Orleans. Miami is a six and a half point favorite at home over Denver. Denver's, they got a lot of, it's, not, it's just not fitting right. Sean Payton, Russell Wilson, something's up there. Uh, but I think that the Miami, if Tua stays healthy, and that was my biggest thing with them, was Tua having a healthy season? They could be a really, really good team, and they can win 11, 12 games to win that division because they have all of the weapons or all the things you'd want to see. You got Tua, competent quarterback, very good quarterback. You have Waddle and Tyreek Hill on the outside, solid defense, which is only going to get better, I think, as the season progresses. Miami's a really, really good team. I'm just worried about Tua's injury history. All it takes is one bad hit. You saw it, Alabama got tackled and injured his hip, made him miss the rest, rest of the season. And in essence, ending his time in Alabama, really as a high caliber player. You saw last year with the concussions and him not being in the last. So those concern me. And that's why I was very hesitant with my, aspir- my, my hopes and aspirations or my picks for the Dolphins. Some had them winning the division. Some have them as a dark horse Super Bowl team. I think I have them in the playoffs because I'm just worried about Tua's injury history. But he's healthy right now, and they are looking stout. And I think they win pretty handily over the Broncos. Uh, Minnesota is a one-point favorite at home over the Chargers. Man, this is really a playoff game. Both these teams winless on the year so far. I think both teams have – well, Minnesota questions that quarterback questions with just the overall management of the team. And there's a team that last year won all, I think, 10 or 11 of their one-possession games last year, and they've already dropped several this year. That's not a good sign. So they're coming back to their mean of being a 500 or below 500 team, and that's concerning. The Chargers, they just find different ways to lose. It's like they put up the points. You look at the numbers again, the game, Herbert throws for a lot of yards, they have a lot of production, but they still lose so many of these one-possession contests. So in this one, you have two very desperate teams. Honestly, if you go 0-3, you're not going to make the playoffs. This happened only – I wish I had the numbers, uh, but I think the, 
it's only happened to be five times in the last 20 something years where a team started 0 3 and won or and made the playoffs. And the way the balance is right now in both conferences, you start off 0 3, you're not going to be in the postseason. Right? So I think this is a, it's a desperate time for both teams. I'll take the Chargers my, plus the one over Minnesota. New England is a two-and-a-half-point favorite at the New York Jets. Very surprised by that line. Yes, I know that Zach Wilson look, did not look good against Dallas last week, but I think the Dallas defense is going to do that to a lot of teams. What's more concerning is defensively, the Jets, a team that we saw make Josh Allen's life a living hell in week one with multiple interceptions causing a lot of disruption in the last week. And Dallas is a really good team overall offensively. Yes, I know. But they just got carved up by the Cowboys' def- by the Cowboys' offense and defensively. Even with Aaron Rodgers supposedly being being on the team or hoping to be on the team, the defense was supposed to be the big catalyst for the Jets, and they did not have a good performance against the Cowboys. And hey, maybe Dallas is that team this year where they do that to a lot of squads. But I think off defensively, the Jets don't have much to be concerned about with the Patriots, who offensively are inept. Uh, Mac Jones is just not it. And yes, under Ju- they should sign Juju Smith-Schuster. He hasn't really acclimated himself into the Patriots' offense, make himself a big threat. The talent is just not there. Now, the pass defensively, I think, are pretty okay um, as far as defensively. You would expect that from a Belichick team uh, for the most part. But offensively, I know they brought in Bill O'Brien to be back in New England, be the offensive coordinator, it w- but it's just not working with Mac Jones. And, I mean, part of it's on him, part of it's on the lack of talent. But overall, that's just not a very good squad. Uh, so I think that the Jets, another game that they have postseason aspirations, they have to win at home over the Patriots. And I think they'll find a, a way to win the contest against New England at home. Uh, Buffalo is a six-and-a-half-point favorite on the road at the Commanders of Washington. I think Buffalo wins the contest, but the Commanders are a spunky team. You got to give them credit. Uh, Sam Howell has looked really good uh, the first two games of the season uh, for the Commanders. You go into the season, wow, it's like Sam Howell's our starting quarterback. I don't know about it, and he's going to have he's going to have his regressions. He's up and down because he in essence is a rookie quarterback as far as being full time starter, you know, with the team. But they've looked okay so far this year. Now, granted, they've had some weird games. They won at Denver, though. I mean, it's always a tough place to play. Uh, so I think that they'll make it competitive against Buffalo. Uh, but I think overall, you're going to see the the Bills come out with the win. But Washington makes it close, keeps it under six and a half points. Jacksonville is an eight and a half point favorite at home over Houston. That's a bad loss by the Jaguars. That's the two most disappointing losses this past weekend or past week was Detroit at home to Seattle. And Jacksonville at home against Kansas City, because though Jacksonville and Detroit are two teams, one to divi- well, Jacksonville won the division last year, the AFC South. But I think they have some high postseason aspirations. And I know Kansas City is the Chiefs and they're two Super Bowl champions, and Mahomes is the quarterback. But when your defense can only holds Kansas City under twenty points, you got to find a way to win that contest. And Jacksonville did not do that. So it's not going to kill their season. They got a lot more season to go. Plus, that division is very winnable. It's not very inspiring. But 
if you want to make that step from being a eight nine win team that makes it to the playoffs because you win a really bad division to maybe we can and they won a playoff game last I mean, but maybe we, they won a playoff game last year but the make it to a conference championship game dare I say a Super Bowl or at least progress yourself towards that you have to win the winnable game especially at home and that was very disappointing for the Jaguars but they do get a Houston team that is inept and not very good so minus eight and a half that's a rich number. That's a lot of points to defeat a team by because in essence, you're saying that the Jaguars are going to defeat the Texans by at home by double digits. I'm going to roll with that. I think that Jacksonville wins that contest pretty handily over a Houston team with Shroud at quarterback that they're just trying to really find themselves. Baltimore's eight and a half point favorite at home over Indianapolis. Lamar Jackson, he might be your MVP this year. He has looked really, really good. He looks healthy. Uh, the contract situation is done with. He got his money, so there's not that issue there. Uh, Dobbins being out still hurts him at running back, but you're starting to see them have some other guys step up. Uh, Ravens defensively still aren't to the standard of a Super Bowl contender, like I think, but the they're starting off. They start really, really well this year. Eight and a half point favorite at home over Indianapolis, kind of similar to Jacksonville, uh, a little bit less. Uh, Richardson was already getting hurt for. The Colts at quarterback. You saw him at Florida. At least we saw him at Florida being in Metro Atlanta quite a bit. He, he, very athletic guy. Huge. Runs the ball. Very strong. But if they're going to run him like this, he's going to get hurt and dinged up for the entire season. Already had a concussion. Having to deal with that in week one. They're still working through that right now. I don't... I, I, and then, I, and you say, honestly, who do the Colts have offensively? Jonathan Taylor, he's still not on the team, the, the star running back for them with the contract issue or holdout or I don't know what you call that. And so there's no weapons for Richardson to really throw to or give the ball to as far as, you know, to hand it off to Richardson. I mean, to hand it off to uh, to Jonathan Taylor. So what do they do? It's just he's going to just go out there and freelance, and he's not going to last the entire season doing that. And so I'm, at the time of recording this, he may play, he may not play. Uh, even if he does play, I think Baltimore wins the contest. Man, I'll say minus eight and a half. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the Ravens to win by double digits. Again, I'm taking some big lines here. I got a big one coming up in a few few picks, but we'll save that for a few minutes. Uh, Seattle's a six-point favorite at home over Carolina. Both these teams, I don't really know how to read, but Bryce Young looks like he's not going to play uh, this game with, the, I think, a hand injury. Andy Dalton may get the start for the Panthers. Solid backup. And he throws the ball well. And now, the Panthers just don't have much offensively for Dalton to work with. So I will take the Seahawks minus the six at home over Carolina. Kansas City's a 12-and-a-half point favorite at home over Chicago. Chiefs win the game, first of all. We already know that. As far as Chicago goes, they got a lot. And then you see Justin Fields talking about being feeling robotic, kind of questioning the coaching staff of the 49ers. I mean, coach staff of the Bears, excuse me, publicly. Not good. Not good at all. But I still think that Kansas City, these are the type of games where they let teams hang around a little bit too much. And they're going to win the contest. But it'll be a, a seven-point game in the uh, – fourth quarter and you're wondering what the what in the world is going on uh, and that's where they don't cover so I think that the Chiefs win the contest 
But I think with Fields, I think they let him run the ball more this week because they talk about being robotic. You know what that, how that goes. Okay, he thinks he's being robotic. We're going to let him not be robotic. He's going to take the ball and run it a little bit more. And that actually is one of the better options for the uh, the Bears at this stage of the season. So I think that the the Chiefs win, but not by 12 and a half points. Uh, see, Dallas is 12 and a half point favorite at Arizona. Ooh, that's a lot of points. But the Cowboys are a much better team than the Cardinals. They should win this game pretty handily. 12 and a half points, though. Man, that's a lot of points. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take the Cowboys to win by two touchdowns on the road over Arizona. And Arizona, I said, they're just trying to figure things out as well. They're bad. Interesting contest here. Sunday night, we get Las Vegas two-and-a-half-point favorite at home over Pittsburgh, uh, season, season home season opener for the Raiders. I'm going to take the Raiders minus two-and-a-half points. I think the Raiders are not as bad as we thought they would be this year. And I think the Steelers, now nice win over the, the Browns at home last week. And, and I just don't – defensively, I think that defense will travel. They'll do okay. I just don't know about Kenny Pickett on the road against Vegas. Now, granted, the Steelers are probably going to take over the stadium. Their fans take over all the stadiums. So it won't necessarily be like a traditional road contest. But I am – I just don't know about him on the road even in this scenario. Uh, so I'm going to take the Raiders minus two and a half at home over Pittsburgh. Let's see. Philadelphia is a four and a half point favorite at Tampa. I think I said the Bucs are their spry team. They are looking confident. But I think the Eagles are really going to assert themselves as the better team and really try to make their stamp as the best team in the NFC. We talked so much about Dallas so far this year and San Francisco, deservedly so. Those teams have had some very strong starts. But the Eagles are kind of waving their hand like, hey, we're the defending NFC uh, conference champion return the guy who finished second in the MVP voting. We have maybe the best offensive defensive line combination in all of the NFL, and you're forgetting about us. I think they're going to make a statement at Tampa uh, in this upcoming week. And then finally, Cincinnati's a three-point favorite at home over the Rams. Oh, my Super Bowl pick is not looking hot right now. Uh, I have not only do I have Joe Burrow as my NFL MVP, I picked the Bengals to win the Super Bowl over the 49ers. Not looking too hot right now. It's two weeks in or three weeks coming into week three, so there's some time. But yeah, those picks aren't looking too good right now. But I think, and well, let's let's break down the Bengals. Something's up with Joe Burrow. Uh, I mean, the guy who we've seen go into Kansas City and win an AFC Championship game. A guy that has now the richest contract in NFL history for now. A guy that we've seen have put himself in the conversation as the best quarterback in the NFL, or at least top two or three. It's still Mahomes. Mahomes is still number one. Uh, but if you want to, if they're top five in some category, some form, I mean, Burrow is in that top five without question. And he's established himself as that type, that dude, that type of guy. And these past two games, he's looked very pedestrian. And I think that calf injury is a major concern. And I don't want to put it on him. And if you knock on wood or rub a rabbit's foot or whatever karma you want to throw his way, we did hear about Aaron Rodgers and having calf issues before that Achilles tear. And that's usually how it goes. All of you out there who are athletes or just living life, uh, you know that if the 
usually the calf is a thing that starts leg issues. It starts with the calf and goes on down. And then your ankle hurts. And then what's between the ankle and your calf? Your Achilles. So if your if your calf is strained and having issues, there's some overcompensation. And your if your calf's tight, I'm not a doctor, but point is, if your calf's not right, it can lead lower down to the Achilles or even the ankle. And I don't wish that on anybody. Uh, but I think Burrow is point is Burrow is dealing with that right now. It limits his mobility. It limits his ability to throw off his his you know his legs to get the power in his arm. So I think that it's he's not trust me he's not gonna sit out. He's not he's, he, he manned up even in a press conference this week, you know, saying that the team's zero two and that's a big factor in him wanting to continue to play and all that stuff. So I'm not saying he's soft, but it is altering his play and that entire team. Saying all that, I think they do find a way to get it together. They have to win this game because they start on four and three. Not only are they in contention of, and they're and they're zero and two in the division too. Remember, they've lost already this year uh, to Cleveland and to Baltimore, so they're zero and two in the division uh, in the AFC. And if you're in the tiebreakers and everything like that, that's a really bad position to be in. Now, this game is against the Rams, the NFC team, so it doesn't help their tiebreaker scenarios, but they need wins to be in the tiebreaker scenarios. So I think they get a win over the Rams uh, this Monday night and get their first win of the season. But I still think that the Bengals overall have a lot of issues that they need to resolve and get together. And I think that does start and end with Burrow. And maybe this is the game that he... The health kicks in, he gets it right, and they have a nice run. But we'll see what happens there. All right, that's the edition of the Gridiron Bliss. Thanks for listening to us or watching us on all of our platforms on Twitter. Well, first of all, head to our social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, but then also go to our platforms to listen to us or watch us on uh, YouTube, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Spotify for podcasters, iTunes and everything else in between. Until next time, good fight, good night, and be safe.